So jumping back in with our sort of more balanced approach to this so that we don't kill each other. You know, we were totally full of it that we could maintain cordial relationships and not rip each other's heads off when talking about uh, political issues that we were very passionate about. At the end of the day, yes, it does hold true. We do still love and respect each other no matter what. But let's just say it got a little bit too contentious, as you could see from the uh, earlier clips that we played you, that honestly sounded like a fight club. So moving on to... Well, well, what we're doing, though, is we're learning from that. To be honest with you, Harriet and I, you know, did our day too. And to be honest, Harriet just had a problem. Oh, oh, wow. No, lies, fake news. She had a problem controlling her emotions. When I'm typically the calm one. But in all all honesty, (laughs) she pushed some buttons. And and I found my. I pushed buttons. some buttons by saying that immigrants should be treated like humans. But anyway, well, we're not going. We're not going to go back. We're not there. going there. Um, Fake news. Uh huh. But anyway, we're going to just try to cover a wider range of topics. And yes, we are obviously going to cover politics because that was kind of the meat of our show and what we we wanted to find, uh, found this entire, you know, podcast around. But we wanted to kind of lighten it up a little bit here and there, because when you do an hour of politics and political talk, things can get pretty damn heavy and depressing at times. So we want to throw in some pop culture talk, some some other sort of stuff that we have conversations about and that we talk about. My dad's the kind of person that will read wacky news stories and send them to me, you know, and I, I love that. And we'll end up talking about it, you know, like survivalists or people that were just found living in a storm shelter and didn't know about the outside world for like 10 years. Um, just random stuff like that that can kind of lighten this stuff up a little bit, keep it fun and keep us from killing each other. And in all honesty, though, you know, we're going to come out with some advice for you of talking about politics in your families during Thanksgiving, during the holidays, uh, during because this is we are literally learning in action yeah. with all of this. Yeah. So so this is the big political family learning lab. So our goal is to help you not wind up on Fox News. Or make the mistakes that that we had. So we're going to give you a list of trigger words to avoid. We're going to call them maybe something like the uh uh-oh words or the no-no list, something along those lines uh, of what to avoid talking about. And we will definitely be having that come up uh, on our YouTube channel in the next couple of weeks. So stay tuned for that. Um, It's going to probably be at the domain uh, Now Hear Me Out YouTube channel. So I'll, I'll link that below in the description when we air this. So check that out. So Harriet, why don't we go down our, 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 our new agenda, agenda which is we talked about, it's going to be a combination. It's still going to be political, but it's going to be going to bring culture and, yeah. you know, social issues into this a little bit more. I try to lighten it up, you know, almost like, I don't want to say this is the Barack Obama of politics, but. You're try- saying Barack Obama came in and kept things fresh and fun for about eight years. I'm not gonna. <laughs> exactly. I, won't, I won't concede that. But Obama you, you, was incredible, and I yeah. once one of my deepest regrets is not voting for him right away. I was still in my Republican mindset, and I deeply. Oh, I never got on that Obama train. Apparently, that was a good time I never to be got a Democrat. On the Obama train. You never, know, so never, I oh, never got on that train. I'll, but, I'm kicking uh, myself for not being there. Anyway, so agenda. Okay. Agenda. All right, we're going to talk about the G7 summit and what was announced uh, that Mulvaney announced today um, during the White House briefing, saying about how the you know defending the decision that Trump made about hosting the G7 summit at the Trump Doral Golf Resort, which he obviously owns in 2020 in Miami. What but do you let's, think? Let's be fair though. So Donald Trump came out and said, you know. His place in Miami is the best place to have this. It's the best and, place to have any event. And 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 <laughs> ever. He'll, he'll do it at cost. So I I get that. But 
I think one of the things that President Trump has to realize, and I'll be honest, President Trump, still love you, but you're really getting me mad. You're really not acting presidential. And cut the tweets out about Nancy Pelosi. It's pathetic. Just cut it. And, and you know, you're, you're making Nancy Pelosi worse, too. I mean, just knock it off. Just cut it out. But anyway... By day, I'm a general counsel to a pharmaceutical company. And if my CEO said... By night, he's Batman, but no. That's right. But, <laughs> you know, I'm not sure he's the right one. I'm some type of superhero, of course. Yes. But if you were the CEO of my company, I'd have to go to the board of directors to get permission you know, for this conflict of interest. My question to you is, why do you put yourself in this position? We are defending you. We defend you every single day. It's hard. <laughs> Why do you put yourself in this position? Sometimes you need to step back and think, this is not a fight I want to make. Because, you know, you are going to be accused right up and down that this is a conflict and that your family is benefiting from this. Why can't you just step out of it sometimes? Step out of, out of Donald Trump, the businessman, and step into Donald Trump, the president. Look, again, I love you, and I really do. But you know, you do stuff like this and it really ticks me Grinds off. his gears. <laughs> I, I, I mean, it just does. Look, you, you know, you know, before I'm a Republican, I'm an American. And you know, Ooh, you know my legal reputation is very important to me. I think your reputation should be important to you. I know sometimes you don't care. Which is why my dad initially fell in love with you. But for something like this, <laughs> sort of. He yeah. wants it to be the way it was when you first met, Donald. That's right, Donald. <laughs> But anyway, so look, I'm coming out of it saying, even if you are right, you are going to do this at cost. I think this is not a battle you should fight. And I think you should say to the American public, look, I understand this is a perceived conflict. I was only trying to do my best, which I think you were trying to do. I think you truly believe your properties are the best in the world. And no, it's truth word, And that America deserves them. I think that's what you truly believe. This is how much of a narcissistic psychopath the guy is. My, my opinion, not my father's. But uh, yeah, with the best in the world. I mean, it's like when he was talking about building the wall and stuff. It was going to be the prettiest wall, the best wall, the most ornate doors with the windows, stained glass. Like, no, no, Michelangelo is not going to come all up in here and make you this gorgeous freaking wall. But uh, yeah, getting back to that, obviously, my dad's a businessman. I mean, the guy has pretty much like every degree you can have except a doctorate, but he's working on it. Um, someday. <laughs> someday. Uh, he just wants to be called Dr. Bearholtz, I'm pretty sure. That would be Could nice. be the only reason he wants to get this done. But yeah, I mean, from a business standpoint, and obviously um, what I do for a living is I'm in the business of e-commerce and marketing and, and brand building and all that kind of stuff. And just looking at this from a business perspective, it's definitively a conflict of interest. And it just makes him look bad. Like my dad had said, regardless of whether or not you're a Republican or a Democrat, why give people another reason to talk badly about you or raise suspicion? Like you got enough going on in your, your career. There's the impeachment stuff going on, the talk right now, uh, you know, the inquiry and all that. Just like back off. You don't do this. This is dumb, you know, and it makes you look really bad. Yeah. And that's why, how we feel about that. Um, next topic. Next topic. So, yeah, I mean, one thing that I want to say is, I guess, Felicity Huffman with the college admission scandal, she um, reported to prison to serve her her 14-day sentence. And I guess having come from me going to a private school in which one of the parents from my private school was named in this college admission scandal, it raises some questions. And I think this is a good conversation for us to have about how far do you go to help your kids do you think this is right? Do you think the punishment she's received is fair? And what's your thoughts on that? 
Harriet, um, the truth is a parent will do anything in this country, you know, every country, I think. every country, I think, you know, healthcare, education, there's some of the most important things for parents. Yeah. Know, there's some of the things we, we can affect and we can try, you know, the truth of the matter is it takes two or three to tangle here. And let me just explain that. Yeah, please. You, you know, your duty as a parent is to help your family. And the truth is you will do anything to help your family. That's legal. Some people do things that are illegal. Sometimes yeah. these areas are gray. But, you know, in the past, if, you know, in your private school and other private schools, you know, parents have given big donations and all of a sudden a, a music, a music, you know, theater pops or, up in someone's you know, name you know, is in somebody's name. And, you know, in the old days, the universities just did, did a wink, wink and, uh, yeah. and nudge, nudge on that. And that was just how As it my was. dad always said, the farthest he'd go is donating maybe a, a toilet seat with my name on yeah. it to get me into a certain college. <laughs> you know, but but so from a parental standpoint, I, can, you know, it's hard for me to 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 say that any of these people did something that was so bad that they should go to prison, except. And it's my understanding, not Felicity Huffman, but Lori Lawlin. Lori Lawlin, when she had the the fake nonprofit. Oh, no. Well, they both funneled it through the fake nonprofit. They They used the same person. It was a fake nonprofit that I think was supposed to benefit children's health. I think it's disgusting. That to me goes overboard. Yeah. I I mean, I mean, that to me and the pictures. Oh, my God. Doctoring. I mean, it's. I respect the length they went through to try to cover their bases to make it look like the daughter was on the rowing team, but come on. But you know what? This has been going on for hundreds of years. And it needs to stop. I mean, and you know, that you know, the problem is people could say, well, what's the difference between this and and you know, an affirmative action plan, you know, program where you're judged on your on your race or oh, okay, no, we're not going to get Elizabeth into that. Warren on your ethnicity. You're really comparing bribery fa- to get your kid into school to people well, trying to get diversity within a university. I'm trying to that that actually rhymes diversity within university. Yeah, I know. But what I'm trying to say, look, and and, and I don't know, am I trying to say that? I don't know. No, that's a terrible but, but, draw. You know, so so the first point is a parent, you know, a lot of times has a duty to help their kids, but but. I think both of these women went overboard using a nonprofit to do that. It's disgusting. I mean, that's that to me is fraud. But but it is. That's what they're getting charged with. But you know, points three and four. Point three is some of these middlemen who who are able to do this with the university, like these rowing coaches. Or, oh yeah, or like or football tennis coaches. coaches. Or well, tennis not football coaches. here, but football coaches are bad. But tennis coaches, no, no, rowing here. coaches, yeah. squash coaches. You know. We know those sports that are softer sports where your kid can maybe get on a team to get in. And there are some scholarships out there. Rowing, right? sailing. Right, right. <laughs> the right, the you, preppier sports, so let's know, just say kids from middle America and, and, but, and poorer schools can't, can't the do. The fact that universities even have relationships with these scumbag middlemen and charging, what, $500,000? It's 500 grand. A million bucks a point. You know, the and fact for that, USC too, like yeah. that's not even that great of a school. It's not Ooh, even an Ivy. She didn't say that. No, no, no. I just mean if you're going to bribe to get your kid into school, bribe to get him into Yale. My view on that one is that these middlemen, they're the ones who need to go to jail. I mean, they're the ones. They who, are. I know, but they're the ones who. Re- there are so many of them out there. But fourth, you know, it really galls me. The American. It galls him, people. It galls me. <laughs> I don't even know what galls means, but I, I know like it's, a, it's a tough word. Either, but, yeah. but you know. American universities, you need to shape up. 
because American universities are standing behind, literally behind their ivory towers and saying- And their ebony towers. No, well, 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 but, <laughs> but saying that, oh, this was a parent and somebody else, that is the biggest load of crap. These universities have their hands out all the time. They are constantly raising money. Yeah. And one of the things we're gonna talk about at some point, maybe not in this podcast, is you know, who has really been taking advantage of the American public? And I think the last 20, 30 years in this country, universities have both charged parents tremendous amounts yeah. of money, and they've also used programs like the Act program to take inventions and to make money off inventions that were were actually created with governmental money. Yeah. And that's another story, but you know. Oh, one thing too to touch on uh, regarding with what my dad's talking about. And I talk to my husband about this all the time. Um, he's the biggest sports fiend, I swear, like ever. But uh, the way in which universities profit off of the names of their athletes. Oh yeah. That's another big thing that's disgusting. And they're, you know, pretty much abusing that and, and profiting off of these kids' names. And the kids don't see any of that money and they well, work their asses Maybe off. that's another topic or maybe it's uh, stuff. Yeah, it's something else to talk about. Can, and there's there's a university I'm sure that you saw out there too saying that they will start paying players based off of the sales of their jerseys. Yeah. I think it was 2020. Yeah. But yeah, but anyway, I'm sorry. Back to the college admission scandal thing. Yeah. Point four you were on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, so, but point four is universities aren't good players in this. And point five, 14 days, seriously. Yeah. If you're going to get a prison sentence, Give them a give them a freaking. But it was sentence. more. It, it's more. It's a it's a display. And the thing is, and I, I agree with this. And I don't know if you looked into this as much, but basically, Felicity Huffman admitted wrongdoing. Yeah. She gave the most. I I read all of the testimonies. I, I and everything like that. It was very sincere. It was very apologetic. She admitted her wrongdoing and basically her kids have stopped talking to her because of this. And I think that's honestly one of the worst punishments you can get. Well, that's something as you're saying, Harriet, that's something we haven't even talked about here is that how does this make a kid feel? I mean, well, they say Lori Lawlin's kids 100% knew about it. Because I mean, how are you not when your mom's like, hey, go pose on this rowing machine. Hey, can you teach me how to use Photoshop and put you in these photos of rowing practice in which you never, you know, you never rowed. But I guess Felicity Huffman's, um, well, I don't know if you saw too, she was almost going to do it again for her second daughter and then pulled the plug on it at the last moment. I think though there need to be penalties for the university presidents. For example, the the, uh, the president you know, the, the, the president of USC needs to face some charges on Wait, how? Why? Because you think that they let this slip through the crowd. I, I think mean, I think the president doesn't oversee, I think, any of the but admissions I process. Think, uh, but I think the admissions people know what's going on. I think the admissions people at major universities need to be investigated. I think this has been going on for a long time. And look, I got into Cornell University. I got in on a baseball scholarship. And, and there was know, no bribery. He literally came from I, nothing. I came from working class Pennsylvania. My parents didn't graduate from high school even, you know. And, and so, Papa, well, I mean, my, my grandpa graduated, graduated from, from sixth grade. Yeah. Even, you know, and, and my dad couldn't even hardly read and write, you know. So, so not saying that meant anything or the like, but I got into one of the best affirmative action programs and that was sports. You know, I was lucky that the Ivy Leagues have a, had a policy, and I think they still do that, that you may get in for baseball, but you don't have to, you don't actually have to do it to-, to I love it. that. That was awesome yeah, yeah, that yeah, you yeah, were yeah. able to do that. You don't even have to do it to, uh, to keep your scholarship. And, and you know, I got in- Yeah, not all universities are like yeah. that. I got in, I started out in, in, you know, I was supposed to start out in pre-med. My coach said, hey, you're gonna be in class from 8 a.m. to 3 p.m. every day. You're gonna go to baseball practice from three to six every day. And then you're gonna work in a, uh, a library from six to 10. And I Holy said to, moly. I said to him, coach, what am I going to study and how am I going to be competitive? 
Uh, because anybody doing, you know, you know, medical school or law or business school, you have to get the grades. And Obviously, so yeah. at the age of 17, when I got in, I made a decision that baseball got me in, but it wasn't going to keep me there. And I decided not to play. And my coach hated me, you know, and I had a lot of people who didn't like me because of it. But, you know, it was my decision. And, you know, I became, you know. I successfully got the grades I wanted. I went to the best law school in the country. Got into Harvard as well. Got yeah, into all these like, law schools. Like the, you know, but it was a choice I made. But but you know, going back on that though is that the admissions process is not foolproof. We say that we want a process that is based on merit. The truth of the matter is: is that going to be just grades? Is that going to be test? What is that going to be? And let's face it. At, at one point in the U.S., you know, a lot of people say, "Well, it was just white people." I, you know, I disagree. I, you know, I think a lot of times it was it was upper class white people. You know, if you were a Catholic kid or a, a Jewish kid, a lot of times it it was hard to get in, or if you you you, you were a poor white kid. Not to mention if you were. You think it was hard to get into Ivy Leagues if you were a rich upper class white person? No, no, that's not, that's not what I said. Oh. I, was, I said, but but you know, there were there were. There were Jewish quotas that there were, you know, I would say there were, there were Catholic quotas, but, well, you know, that's insane. I mean, why, but, you know, but if you quota? look, you know, if you look at some of the top schools, even in the fifties and sixties, some of them didn't start accepting women until, yeah, that's until late, you know, if you look at Oxford, even in Britain, well, some I mean, places accepted women before they accepted African-Americans. That's oh, yeah, crazy. Yeah, yeah. So, so but yeah, I guess what we're saying, this. yeah, I guess what I'm saying is the process is not foolproof. It's not foolproof, but I think it's gotten out of control. And whoever is supposed to be policing it has to police it. And, and you have to understand, I put my, my legal hat on now. The way the American legal system works is that you, we, you know, we can't prosecute everybody. So mm -hmm. what you do is you have test cases. Yeah. And you scare the, you crap, set a precedent, you scare the crap out of them and the rest of America that says, you know, we're coming on this, this job site. We are going to put you in handcuffs yeah. and walk you out. Yeah, it's setting gonna, an example. And we're going to embarrass you up yep. the wazoo. Well, they have. Felicity yeah. Huffman, all of their friends have turned on them. Like all this kind of stuff. Lori Lawlin, her husband pretty much has distanced himself from her. And people are talking about them getting a divorce. Her mm -hmm. daughter moved out and didn't talk to her for like two months. But yeah, it's crazy. You know, but, but the question is now, should the prosecutors go deeper? Meaning what? You know, meaning going after more parents or should they go after university people or should they go after coaches? Well, they're going after the two celebrities. Yeah. Lori Lawlin hasn't been sentenced yet and she yeah. is terrified because she is refusing to plead guilty. Yeah. Um, and that in and of itself, obviously she is scared. Apparently she's been trying to contact, so, yeah. So from a student's point of view, if this was what, you know, your mother did or-, or Oh my know, God, my mom would never do this. No, but how would you feel? No, 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 but-, but, but but no, I, I no, no. How would so you feel? one thing I can say, and I listened to a lot of other people's reactions regarding this. And uh, the thing is, yeah, at the, the high school that I went to, you heard a lot of times about, I mean, God, I had a friend who was getting a C in chemistry. And I remember her mom went in and offered to bribe the teacher to get her grade up to an A to look good on college applications. And luckily the teacher was like, yeah, no, I'm not doing that. I don't honestly think any of the, the teachers ever would have accepted that at Bishops, but pretty much it happens all the time. You know, when we were applying to school and stuff like that, you heard about kids. Oh, my dad donated a, uh, a building to Stanford. And so I'm going to Stanford. Oh, I'm a legacy student there. Oh, my grandpa went there, you know, all this kind of stuff. And that's fine. Obviously that's going to happen. The world is not a fair playing field, but if my parents had did this and I found out that I only got in somewhere because of what, you know, if they gave an X amount of money, I, Gary V said it best. You have definitive proof that your parents don't believe in you. And mm -hmm. that I think is more painful than any prison sentence that someone can give you um, mm -hmm. as a parent.
you you literally admitted you don't believe in your child's ability to get into a school and you're going to secure their place 100% by bribing somebody. And I think that's so sad. I think as a parent, you know, we have to realize that your kids don't have the same dreams you do sometimes. And I know there are... It's a tough pill to swallow for a lot of parents. I know there are, you know, we're pushy parents. And I, I, no. I, I know I pushed you at some <laughs> point. But, you know, there really is something about let the kid decide to go. And you have to let your kids fail. And this is something that I have to say, my dad definitely let me do. And we talk about this all the time. And uh, just talking to my friends with kids now, this is something apparently that I guess they talk about in all the parenting books. It's actually a huge issue in this country. Case in point, the college admission scandal. Parents are not letting their kids fail. And they're going off into the world not knowing how to deal with defeat. And that's terrible. Yeah. You have to learn how to fail. You have to learn how to pick yourself up after you, you know, don't get something that you want. You yeah. know, your parents can't swoop in and save you all the time. And if you grow up coddled like that, you're not really going to be a very resourceful adult. Yeah. And so I failed a lot and I failed miserably. And my dad let me and he was like, well, you know, you failed and it's your fault. I'm like, yeah, I know. And the worst feeling in the world was knowing it was my fault. But you know what? I learned from that and I didn't yeah. do it again. So these kids, I mean, for example, case in point, and I just want to point this out. So Olivia Jade, Lori Lawlin's daughter, the one who she bribed to get into USC and did the whole fake rowing thing. She's quote unquote, like a YouTube influencer. And the way in which she handled this whole thing was disgusting. You go back to her, her YouTube ads that did really well, beauty tutorials and stuff like that. I mean, she had to deal with Sephora and then they dropped her after this happened. She even said, yeah, I think I'm going to go to college, but I'm really just going for like the football games and the partying and like the social life, like education and schools, just like not my thing. And that's Harriet's uh, California, rich girl, California. Yeah, she is the worst. I swear. She's the most unlikable person. If you watch her videos, she also talks about like how ungrateful, she's so ungrateful. And that was just so gross to see. But the funniest thing to me was that she couldn't even submit. She tried submitting a patent for some of her makeup. And it got denied because everything was misspelled and her grammar was terrible. And they said it was, quote, unreadable. So obviously this girl did not deserve to go to USC if she couldn't even get a patent, you know. And I know she's, what, 18, but come on. She didn't even want to be there. She didn't even care. Her mom obviously was doing this for herself. And that's messed up. Hey, so last night, Harriet and I tried to watch the democratic oh. de- well a, a, a sort of like we reruns. watched a bunch of highlights of the democratic yeah. debate we watched uh, the first like 30 minutes to an hour of the actual debate yeah. and then we we followed up on obviously uh the various reactions and then the post post debate commentary and stuff like that but it was dark it was a bummer like honestly let's just be real here and i know this is sounds dumb and of course yes politics is heavy but geez we're southern california people so we're and, positive and, vibes and, and, positive mind positive life yeah and you know i do yoga Harriet does yoga Harriet does pilates you, you know namaste bitches and we've done you know meditation and everything else and i'm telling you you know I used to always think, and I, I grew up in Pennsylvania where darkness is part of your day, <laughs> you know, but, but you know, there, there is something true as you get older, you want to be with positive people. And what is going on in politics? Look, I, I was a Democrat till I was 32 years old, you know, c- campaign for, uh, for Bill Clinton in his first election. You Biden, know. you voted, yeah. I voted for Biden, you know, I danced, my wife and I danced at Bill and Hillary's one of the eight balls they had. We we danced at the one up in for the mid-Atlantic re- region. Uh, then Representative Joe Kennedy was there and everything else. And, and you know, so so look, we you know we you know my mom was in a labor union, the uh, International Ladies Garment Workers Union. So we had you know we had 
you know, we had labor through and through. My dad was a coal miner, and so we, we you know, we've we've had coal strikes. We we've had you know other other union strikes, but. I must, you know, but just what we saw, we were so... We were so bummed out. We were so depressed. We, we were just, we both were looking at each other like, this is awful. It was terrible, just... <laughs> we were trying, we were getting a live comment on it and, and give our reactions. And I do have to say, I, we both agreed on this. I love Bernie Sanders, even if my dad doesn't agree with him politically, and I don't agree with hey, him on a lot of Bernie Sanders! I know! <laughs> my parents actually have a dog, and I'm going to post a photo I of I never this. smoked dog. I never did. I believe in the laws, but I never did it. Never. Me. Never. Bernie Sanders. No. There's a billionaire over there. He's a good guy. I'm okay. <laughs> That was actually that was pretty actually good. Really for, good. That, that was, was good, for good for Bernie compared to his bill, which was my just a freaking tank. Uh, but yeah, we have a dog. Actually, my dad, my dad has a dog that I, I insisted they adopt. Um, looks just his like Bernie. Simon. His name's Simon. He's adorable, and I'll, he's a nervous little guy. But I'll, I'll post a photo of him. You can see the Bernie. Uh, uh, likeness. But yeah, Bernie honestly brought some much needed positivity to last night's debate. He was he was laughing at times. He was joking. He smiled. He smiled. Elizabeth Warren. Oh, Elizabeth Warren. I have to say, you, and I... <laughs> you are so unlikable. down. It's not you even down. Freaking... It's just she... And this is the thing. She doesn't translate well with the American public. I do. I like the I, fact. So I'll tell you something. Yeah. She is a golden retriever. And she did this whole like text message update where you can get updates about her golden retriever going on the campaign trail with her. That was good. That was because she knew she needed the, the dog to get some sort of likability. She is just such a, I just don't like her. And I, I agree with a lot of what she says when I read it, but hearing it come from her mouth, it just sounds like a bad idea. <laughs> Elizabeth Warren, you need to, you need to, to get somebody from Hollywood to train you. Who, who just is going to train you as to how to speak how to and smile. just how to not, smile. No, I'm not a fan of telling women they need to smile more. I'm just saying I like uh, a happy, upbeat politician, personally. Like, I like Joe Biden. I like um, even Hillary Clinton. She smiled all the time on the campaign trail. And it was just you, nice. It was genuine. Elizabeth Warren, what you, Senator Warren, and I, I will show you the respect because oh, anybody, you know, anybody who, runs who does, I, I, I will always show you the respect. But Senator Warren... My God, what you said to Joe Biden. Oh, God, that was what you awful. Said, you know, and you meant it. You're a smart lady. Oh, yeah. You didn't say anything not meaning it. What you said about, well. Thanks to Obama. Yeah. For campaigning I mean, for me on. to get me this. I Joe mean, Biden, you could see it in his face. He was so hurt. He was like, I campaigned for you. I was out on the floor getting votes for your bill. And I did. And then she goes, well, I got to say, oh, you know, President Obama was his support was unmeasurable. I mean, come on. Uh, Senator Warren, people are watching you. They just don't listen to your bright ideas. They watch you. And they want to see, people really want to see that you're having a good time. They want to see that you're likable. And they also want to see that you respect the people that have helped get you to be where you uh, are I, today. I mean, actually, the two people who I think handled this the best, probably, I think Bernie Sanders just handled himself well. And I think uh, you, you know, former Vice President Biden. And I think, honestly, Cory Booker well. has a good personality that translates well. And one thing I want to say that I, I I know that a lot of people hate her, um, and I have done a lot of research on her, and I was actually a big Kamala Harris fan for a while until I actually had a couple of my friends who are African-American whom I met at Claremont McKenna, and they kind of gave me a pretty intense education onto why she is quote, not a friend to the black community, which I thought was very eye-opening, very interesting. I know as a white person, I obviously don't understand that in depth and I'm not claiming to. I just don't think she's very good as a person. But I do have to say, as a public speaker and the way in which Kamala presents herself, Elizabeth Warren could learn something about that. 
And Let one thing just, I want to say yeah, that my dad ahead. doesn't get, uh, but Kamala Harris has what I call BDE, big dick energy. She does. She commands the room. Her voice, just everything about her is magnetic. And it might not be, you know, my dad might not feel that way, but I have to say, I think she's a great public speaker. I think she's a great personality. And yeah, I think she, I think she did well last night at the debate. Well, let me just mention Kamala Harris. And I'm sorry if, oh, if, if I mispronounce Kamala. your name, for, you know, former attorney general out here in, in California. The sad thing is, I know what you did out here in California. I, I know that how you how, how he you, knows what you did last summer. I, I know how you, you know, conspired to rig elections out here. I've studied your laws. I've studied what you do, what you've done. A lot of us know about your relationship with the former speaker. But she you, was separated from her husband at that. But time. you know what? He wasn't, though. And but he, he's a grown man. And we're saying but her you decisions know what? Are... But it, it's still her decision. But but, you know, the, but, you know, I just really I know how you rig the elections. I know how I know the laws you put in place to help your party. And I, I'll be honest, I don't trust you. I don't trust you that you 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 would actually represent all the Americans. And I don't. And maybe it's because you've had to be tough as a prosecutor. Well, you know, yeah, I mean, general, you, you I, get I, that better than anyone. I really don't trust you. But, you know, maybe we talk about some of the other candidates. We, yeah, definitely. We, we have a Rhodes Scholar, uh, the uh, former mayor. Of, we have Andrew uh, Yang, who I have yeah. to say, read his Pardon me, read his books if you are interested in all that. He kind of reminds me of like a Jeff Bezos. Very smart guy. Um, I don't agree with his, you know, proposed plan of uh, what, what's what's it called technically? The the standard. The, well, the, the guaranteed, guaranteed minimum, minimum wage. wage. No, 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 no. No, the, the guaranteed um, minimum It's like income minimum or income for something. It was, what was it? Like a grand, what was he proposing? Well, like a grand it, a month for well, all American families, I think was what he was trying to propose. Well, for, uh, yeah. Well, whatever. Sure. Anyway, he he. I like him as a speaker. I don't want him to be president. I don't think we need another businessman in the White House. I think we need a, an actual person with political experience, quite frankly. And I, I personally think Joe Biden's our best bet uh, for the Democratic Party. But you know what, Andrew Yang? Good on you. Yeah, good, good on you. Good on you. For you out and you're there. bringing some fresh ideas yeah. to the party. And I'll tell you, somebody who who I like, and you say I just like her because she's pretty. Yeah, a little bit. She's she is pretty. And, and you know, <laughs> it's the representative from Hawaii. But you know, I like her because she's a. You know, she, you know, she's a veteran. She's, she's, she's a veteran. And, you know, I like her because she's she's not buying a lot of the crap. In and the you Democratic also said Party. she was more. Cons- uh, what did you say? She's, she's a bit more, more conservative. conservative. Yeah. Can I tell you? And I'm sorry, I, I, I don't know how to pronounce your name. And <laughs> and I don't remember your last name. I, I'm sorry. <laughs> That's how memorable she was. But she had a great face and a really no, tight body. But, but to be honest with you, you're a Republican and you don't know it yet. I mean, you really are. There's not a place for you in the in the Democratic Party, and I, and I say that as a former conservative Democrat who I tried to stay in as long as I could. But you know, um, the mayor from Indianapolis, Gabbard. Oh, Tulsi Gabbard, Tulsi uh, um, Representative Gabbard. Uh, if you know, look, I really value your opinions, and I, I really and, and I would really encourage you to join our party because I I think mm. you would be. I think you would be a star in our party. I hope that you are treated well in your party. But the thing that you, the thing that I see that you have is you don't take nonsense. And the problem is that the Democratic Party right now, there's a lot of nonsense going on and there's a lot of favoritism in these debates. There's a lot of that going around. Well, obviously, they're going to pander to who they think. I mean, at the end of the day, it's still entertainment. They're going to well, pander who will yeah. give them the best ratings. It is, but time. you know, there is other stuff going on in the party 
that I don't like. And, and, and you know, I'll fight it in the Democrat, fought in the Democratic Party. I fought it, in, you know, in, in my Republican Party. And that's free and fair elections, and not having nonsense, and not having favoritism. He doesn't stand for nonsense, guys. Give everybody a chance. But you know, what was the mayor's name from? Um, I forget how to pronounce it, uh, but, but, Buterig or something. Uh, but that was Batard. Am I wrong? Uh, but from uh, Indianapolis. Now, my friend, you know, you and Beto were going at it. I mean, you and Beto. Oh, uh, Buttigieg? Buttigieg? Yeah, Buttigieg. Look, how I understand you you're a veteran. Name? I understand you're uh, you're a gay man. I understand you're a Rhodes Scholar. You know, look, you you bring a lot of different perspectives. It's a bit unfortunate that they're calling his campaign a long shot campaign. That's not a great what? vote of confidence. But you know what? You've gone through the same scholarship process I have, and you know how rigorous it is. What I love about you know our scholarship is that it, 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 you know they they like people from from different backgrounds. I think you have a lot to say, but again, I hope the Democratic Party gives you the platform to say it. And I would say stop attacking your Republicans so much and start coming up with solutions. You're a real, real bright guy. And you know, look, uh, um, you also like Amy. Oh, I love Amy Klobuchar. My uh, my mother-in-law actually was the one who kind of got me onto her. And uh, I deeply respect her opinion on the Brett Kavanaugh case. That's something I, I obviously feel very, very strongly about. Um, I, I think she's a good woman. And I have to say my best friend in the entire world, shout out to Paige Garrett, uh, also from Minnesota. Um, I spent a lot of time in Minnesota recently for her wedding and people in Minnesota are just good people. They're good people. I like Amy Klobuchar and I like her just approach. I like her tenacity as well. I mean, when she did that press conference in the snowstorm and she, you know, she's a good person. I like her stance obviously on being anti-drug and anti, you know, opioid crisis and all that kind of stuff too. Um, or not, you know what I mean? Recognizing the global opioid crisis and, and all of that. And then that is something I have to say, and I, I can admit this, that I think Trump is doing well on. I'm not somebody who just says everything he does is bad because I don't believe that. I think for some things he definitely has good intentions. And I think bringing to light the opioid crisis and trying to help those who are suffering with that stuff, it's 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 good. It's a, it's a good deal. What gets me though, and look, we, we haven't mentioned all the candidates. Or Beto, uh, for example. That's you know, someone who you and I staunch, staunchly disagree yeah, with. Yeah, yeah. I mean, or I mean, you know what I mean? I, well, no, I no, like no, him, no, you, I, you don't. I can say my my impression of Beto, Beto, your name is, you know, you have an Irish name. I don't know why you're going, you're being being called Beto. It's cool, it's cool. You're an attack okay. dog and-, and I, Okay, well, you've seen him. I hardly look at that skinny man well, and be he's an attack well, dog. Well, he's a skinny, on. tall guy, but he said a lot of nasty stuff about Republicans, about the president. I think the one thing I would recommend to you is, again, people are watching you. Okay, but I'm sorry. No, no, but seriously, nasty. seriously, though. Look at what Trump said today about Pelosi. That's nasty. I never said I agree with that. Oh, no, but I'm just saying, let's say what it is. Both sides can be very, very nasty. Representative O'Rourke, though, my advice to you is, for some reason, you're the Gavin Newsom of Texas. You know, Gavin Newsom, you know, you know, I, I, I got to say, you know, and I, I'm not looking that oh way. Oh, my but, God. He, but, this, you know, he, why is he, he so obsessed with him? I don't know. I'm so obsessed <laughs> with Gavin. Oh, Gavin. But, you know, look, you know, you got it, buddy. You're tall. You're you're decent looking. You know, young people like you. If you want to be Kennedy-esque, act like John F. Kennedy and take some st some tough stances. John F. Kennedy today would be a Republican. He'd be a conservative Republican. Stop just blaming people. All the Democratic candidates, get a grip on, on what you are. Take some responsibility. Offer some other solutions. Donald Trump is not doing what a lot of people want to do, want him to do. But but you know, 
But at the same time, I, I see no other solutions from you. I don't, you know, socialism, seriously, if any of you ever gone to Cuba, have you ever gone to you know, the former Soviet bloc? You know, my family's from Poland. Ask any Polish person here how they feel about communism or socialism. They will tell you why they came to the US. So look, you know, stop the nonsense. Get with the program. Start to That's ask- one of my dad's favorite, no, favorite things. But, but you, know, you know, you have different levels of elitism here and you don't see it. You, you talk about the working class like there's some people that should be in a novel. You don't understand what the working class want to do. The working class dream that their children have more than they have. They utilize the capitalist system to as much as they can. The last thing they want is big government telling them what to do. They want to put their boots on, they want to put their gloves on, and they want to go out and earn so that their kids can have more than them. Don't destroy the American dream. There are ways to tweak the American dream to help people realize what they want to do. But they don't want big union. They don't want big government. They want you to leave them alone. And they want you to give them a helping hand sometime. And that helping hand can be, I, I, I don't know, maybe you know, food stamps sometimes, help with education, teach them how to be entrepreneurs, teach them how to utilize this great capitalist system. But you know, they don't want your big government. They don't want your taxes because eventually that's going to that's gonna hurt them. So, so overall, what's your advice to the Democratic Party candidates? What would you say to them overall? I would say show mutual respect. There's a way to disagree with your opponents without putting them down in a negative way. And I think the way in which uh, Bernie talks about other people, I, I respect how he approaches that. I think the way in which, and yes, it was a sick burn, as so many places said with Klobuchar telling Warren, your way is not the only way, Elizabeth. It, it was saying what she meant, but it was, it was saying what she, yeah, but without saying it mean. She got her point across. Whereas I think the way in which the, the Elizabeth Warren to Joe Biden stuff just rubbed me the wrong way because I he was a huge advocate of hers. And I, I might have a soft spot for Uncle Joe. I think he's a wonderful man and uh, I would love for him to be president. But yeah, I would just say show mutual respect. Who do you think won? Who won the debate last night? Who do you think came across as the, as the most presidential? <sighs> That's a hard one. The most likable, Bernie Sanders. The most presidential, I would say either Joe Biden or Kamala Harris. I would have to say, not saying I agree with, with either of them necessarily on everything, but just the, oh, and also I have to say, Cory Booker is one of the most gifted orators you like, you like, of the you, entire you like match. But don't you think he's just a phenomenal speaker? What I want, and this is one of the reasons that I fell in love with President Obama, you know, when he he ran for office his second term, <clears throat> you want to you want to elicit an emotion. And this is so true with marketing and everything like that. The best the best Facebook ads, the best Google ads, all this kind of stuff, the best commercials, they, they make you feel something. And when you listen to a politician speak, when you think about, you know, um, the way in which John F. Kennedy spoke, for example, that, that brought the country together and, and united people and how they fed. Ronald Reagan, also phenomenal public speaker. You want to feel something. Obama did that. And for a lot of people, you know, not saying for me necessarily, but if I was middle America, lower class, and I was a veteran or something like that, I would say Trump did the same thing. You know, he speaks to, he feels like he's speaking to you. Obama did that. And I think Bernie does that for a lot of people. I think Joe Biden does that because he has that past history of being a trustworthy person who obviously has that association with Barack Obama. And I think Kamala Harris is the way in which she talks. It makes you believe that she's going to create real change. And I think that those are the people who did the best. I agree with you about Bernie Sanders. I still like him. And I'm, he's glad, just I'm, I'm glad you're in the political arena, Bernie. 
And you You're know what? You're fun, dude. Keep going. The, the truth of the matter is, is this country's just not always just been capitalist. There, you know, there, there have been some times, especially during during the Great Depression, when Herbert Hoover's just you know focus on the free markets, you know, approach to life didn't do it. We needed Franklin D. Roosevelt at that time to have his New Deal. You know, granted, I'm not sure we needed all those government programs, but you know, we needed people to have like the the CCC, the Civilian Conservation Corps. We needed people to give people hope. And and, and you know, look, you know, Barack, I don't want to steal your thunder on this one. You know, <laughs> I love I that he wish, thinks he could. <laughs> I wish there was. I wish you would have had. I wish you'd have more substance to you. What do you mean? I think that you are a bit of a bit of a fancy talker. And uh, but but look, I want to talk about Barack Obama. No. Bernie Sanders, you know, Bernie, you are who you are. Yeah. You, you know, you're that guy at the airport fumbling with his papers, missing his connecting yeah, flight yeah. and talking about the end of the world. But you know what? <laughs> Kamala Harris, I don't trust you. But I must say. Don't you have to say, though, she's a gifted speaker. She's I, good. I, she's charisma. I do not like her. You don't. I, 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 know, I know. I know. But if you separate I, I, yourself I, from that. I think she speaks like a lawyer and I don't, and I, I'm you're saying, a lawyer. I'm a lawyer, but I don't really trust us. <laughs> I'll be honest with you. I don't try. I'd rather trust a business person in an executive role, but Joe Biden, I voted for you before, you know, your, your grandfather, your father was from the anthracite coal region. So we have something in common there. I like Joe. I think, I think you're a good guy. Done. Yeah, I just do. I think you're a good guy. I think you need to, you know, I know, I know you've been through a lot of loss I, I, and you've shown great. I know resilience. you and president Trump. I hope this is an act between both of you because obviously I, it's not. I don't know. I, I think some of this is an act right now in politics. You know, I wish you could have the relationship with President Trump that Ronald Reagan had with Tip O'Neill. That's one thing that we can say too. Yeah. politics and the way in which when you, when you look at old presidential debates, yeah. the way in which people addressed each other, there was so much mutual respect. There was no name calling. There was no this slandering. Was, this is within the same party. Yeah, no, exactly. This, this, the, is, this is within. This it isn't a, even. This isn't even Democrats versus no. Republicans. These are these are people who were wanting the same things and yeah. fighting towards common goals yeah. for the most part. You How know, can you be so awful? to America each other? needs at least two parties. I would say America needs, needs three parties. Needs personally, three I think or two parties system's kind of messed up. I think the two parties are so busy fighting themselves. That we're not they, getting anything done. That they forget that the enemy is not other Americans. The enemy is is those who have missiles pointed at those us who and, and, seek to harm the american public yeah so i think you know i do think we need to have a bit of a kumbaya here but you know you know learn to, if you can't learn to get along with your learn fellow to, yeah if you can't learn to get along with your fellow democrats how are you gonna <sighs> how are you gonna, gonna learn to get stuff done? because look outside of our crazy california here where the democrats have a super majority you have to get along with each other yeah and you know i'm tired and one of the things that gets me with the democrats is you know, everybody's got a category. Everybody has a special interest group. You know, my special interest group, my special interest group is America. And, and, and you, know, you know, I'm tired of people talking about how, how, our, how, how we're different. How about talking about- The ways in which we're alive. You know, let's talk about, you know, what the post Ellis Island people talked about. And that was, what's your contribution gonna be to America? You know, and not just to the American language, but to the American way of life. How can you make this country better? And that's what I didn't see in, in the debate, how you were going to contribute to making this country. Better. Oh, I mean, they talked about that for, uh, for real. They definitely, obviously. That's the whole point of the debate. Maybe we didn't keep it on long maybe, enough. Maybe my dad wasn't. It was so depressing. <laughs> oh, my God. But anyway, so. Anyway, yes. Next topic. No, we're, we're, we're good. Are we good yeah, for we, now? We, so, we've so, been talking for over an hour and like 20 minutes. So, I think people are sick of us with this. We should, so we should leave. The, 
So look, lessons learned from our second session here, our, our combined our second, 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 combined second, second yeah. <laughs> yeah, our second session was total bust. Um, it ended in a lot of tears and that was just me. Um, no, I think it was me. I'm sure. Much. But either way, we realized that there are some hot button topics that we should immigration. not. Yeah, immigration, affirmative action oh. that makes some of us white privilege, oh. very, very angry and upset and hostile and I don't like it when that side I have comes to, out. I have to do better. I apologize. Yeah, no, Harriet. I know. I know. And you've recognized that. And I appreciate that. And I, I like keeping things civil. I like having fun with you, having fun discussions in which we can disagree respectfully without yelling or talking over the other person. What advice do we have for people who are going to be talking around the holidays or talking on the weekends with their family members, especially? Well, we'll come out with that entire video, okay. as she said. The more the more we, we dive deep into the, the episode that happened that we only are going to air part of. We're going to do a deep dive into that and figure out what exactly went wrong and where it, where it went wrong. But one thing I can say is make sure that when you are talking to somebody with an opposing viewpoint on politics, make sure that you are not only talking with, you know, the intent, make sure you're actually listening when they talk about what they view. Don't just wait for them to finish talking so that you can talk again, which I feel like is a lot of the conversations that are going on in this country. There, In this country, there's no, there's no real listening. It's just waiting to yell at the other person about why they're wrong and you're right. So, so listen is what I have to say. Listen and put yourself in someone else's shoes. So yeah, that's, that's kind of where we're at. Um, well, and, and, and then also, as we said, maybe just, uh, just summarizing here too then. So we're going to talk about politics. We're going to talk about culture. We'll do our Gavin Newsom minute. Only be. It's just going to be my dad with that. I don't, yeah, I don't have a lot of feelings about it. I mean, I don't like the guy, but I'm not going to, you know, threaten to fight him in a parking lot. I don't no, care Gavin, that much. I, I won't go in a parking lot, but I will, but, but what I will do. But I will in a dojo. No, no. 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 <laughs> Maybe in a dojo, Gavin. I'm not, you know, we'll put the gloves on, we'll go at it for a bit, you know, or. Or you, you know you're 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 Gavin, Gavin Newsom's gonna go into hiding. He's gonna leave the country. Uh, Gavin Newsom, I tell you what, you're a pitcher in college, and I was. Oh my uh, god, I was kidding. Let's not and, get into and, this. And and and, and, and you know I, I'm a hitter, so I'm a righty, and you're a lefty. So you know maybe what we do sometime is uh, I'll meet you at a ball field. Let's see if you can. In the me dark, out. no. <laughs> <laughs> at midnight. <laughs> but anyway, guys, keep it light, keep it fun. <laughs> And, and Harry, do as he says, not as he does, people. You need to learn a lesson, Harry. Oh yes, yes, my crazy temper flying off the handle <laughs> all the time. Oh my god. Anyway, guys, we are signing off, and uh, this is Harriet Bearholtz Marchant, and, and this is Randy Bearholtz, her dad. Yes, and we'll talk to you guys soon. Keep it light, keep it fun. Don't fight with your family because it really sucks. All right, we'll talk <laughs> to you guys. later. Bye. Bye.